Alex Navarro, I have the brightest sun behind me, it seems like. Yeah, I mean, could you have picked maybe like a slightly less bright sun to have behind <laughs> you? I mean, I know there are several to choose from, so you had to go with that one. I, it's actually like really dreary out, but the, I, this camera doesn't allow you to, to choose the focus. It right. just chooses whatever focus it, it wants to. So the focus it has right now, for whatever reason, is like if I get close... Yeah, it's a little bit better. A little bit better. No, it's great when you're in that you're you're in that position. Otherwise, yeah, because it's great because it's it's got this like angelic quality around you. It's like you're a character in Touched by an Angel or something. Well, I think it's it's all this like look. I got this really short haircut. Oh shit, dude! Yeah, where'd all my hair go? All this, all the things I know about you, all the familiar things are all changing. Like your background's different, your hair is different. Next thing I know, you're gonna shave that goatee, which I would not be okay with because I can't be the only one that has his facial hair. For the love of God. No, 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 that's not going anywhere. I mean, there might be, there might be other people in my life that occasionally go, "Are you ever gonna?" And I'm like, probably not. Okay. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I'm I'm up at my uh, my parents' lake house. I decided to come up a day early because hey. It's, I can work from home, so I might as well work from here. <laughs> yeah, why not? You know, it's, it's, you're getting the same thing done, just in a much more uh, picturesque locale. Uh, yeah, but I, I, well, I got a haircut, and it always, this is the day after the haircut, and the day after the haircut for, for me is always, it looks like kind of a nightmare. Because mm-hmm. everyone's, everyone's expectation of, or everyone's interpretation of an inch mm-hmm. is very different, I have found. Yeah. So Which I is usually, weird. I tell every everyone that cuts my hair, hey, like about an inch, and then it often feels like it's way more than an inch. Yeah, it, it, that's unfortunate because an inch is a fixed measure, like a, a fixed unit of measurement. Like you, there is no interpretation for an inch. That, that there is an inch, and then there is not an inch. So maybe people should just start using rulers when they're cutting hair like that. Ah, uh, you'd think so. But uh, how was how was your week? Oh, my week was all right. Uh, let's see, what did I do? I reviewed Child of Light on the site. Uh, did you? And hey, that rhymed. That was perfect. Great. That that's that all ties together. You're terrible. <laughs> you're terrible. I know. I'm the worst. Uh, did you finish that? Uh, no, I. Uh, but um, I, uh, I intend to on Sunday when I when I get back. I'm I'm at the M. How many chapters are there? Ten. Uh, I God, I can't remember the exact number. It's like ten between ten and twelve. I think it's ten. Okay, I'm at, I'm at the beginning of chapter eight. Uh, okay, I have I have gone to the castle and things went bad. If that yeah. gives you a sense of where I'm at in the story, yes, it does. Uh, you have a few more worlds ahead of you uh, to explore, but there's some of the best looking parts of the game coming up, uh, and actually probably some of the better story stuff coming up too. So you're you're right on the cusp of the good stuff. Hmm. All right. Well, yeah. It's it's. It, it continues to be beautiful. Some of the bosses I've encountered actually have been kind of interesting. Like, I, I had a boss encounter where the, it's like the two sort of specter dark creatures with a big griffin as yeah. the main boss. And you discover, like, usually I don't really care who I'm taking out in whatever order because it doesn't really matter. But in that case, that boss resurrects those little specters yep. almost immediately after you kill them, which is a nice punishing way of saying, hey... You should focus your strategies on, like, this griffin, which it just it's the only time I've really encountered in that game where I actually had to change what I was doing because the game was presenting a scenario where I actually had to. Yeah, it, it the game doesn't do a whole lot of that, but, like, some of the boss fights coming up for you definitely add more of that. 
Um, that's the stuff that I, I genuinely kind of liked about the combat. Like, I think that when you are forced to use more strategy and you are forced to kind of, like, change up your tactics beyond get rid of all the minions, now just kill the bigger guy, uh, it's better. It's not perfect. And, you know, turn, like, I finished the game. I In the review, I talked about how, like, on the normal difficulty, I feel like most of the game is kind of a breeze. When you play it on hard, those strategies do come a little bit more into play earlier on. It doesn't negate the grindy feel of the early game where it just feels like you're running into a lot of random battles and just kind of like trying to get out of them as quick as you can to move on to the next thing. Uh, but the 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 battle system with the bar at the bottom and like kind of timing all that stuff out and it it forces you to pay a little more attention to like who you're knocking back uh, trying not to get interrupted by enemies and that stuff. Like the strategy is a little bit better. Uh, it's unfortunate that they named the difficulties the way they did when they put them when they put the game out because I felt like you know it's weird enough that the game only has two difficulty settings because usually it's three like that's the standard. Uh, in this case, you know, normal and hard seemed like okay. Well, normal is just going to be like what normal is in most games, but no, in fact, it really only has easy and hard-ish modes. Uh, and I think that threw a lot of people off. It, it threw me off because I started in on normal and I finished it on normal. And, you know, in retrospect, I kind of wish I had gone through that game on hard. Yeah, because in your review, you mentioned that you at least started over to get a sense of how yeah. the balance changes. And, I mean, yes, it, it kind of seems like the enemies are more difficult, but I sincerely doubt that, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, that it would change your overall strategy of how you, you know, actually fight it's just that they have more hp well it's no there there is a little more strategy because they they are a little bit better about uh knocking you back and forcing you to sort of like you know think about how you like which enemies you're going to attack with what stuff like you can't just mindlessly you know keep like just like like strike attacking guys over and over again in Mm -hmm. in in short battles like you actually have to sort of pay attention to like what their weaknesses are and that kind of stuff uh, and that helps. Like that does help a little bit. Like it isn't, it isn't a huge improvement, but it is an improvement. And uh, you know, I, I still think that that game suffers from the fact that like the leveling system is kind of insane. The Oculi system is really boring to use, regardless as uh, to what difficulty you're playing on. And I still, I, I, I really, I appreciate what they were trying to go to with the constant rhyming of the dialogue but I just don't think those rhymes and that dialogue is very good. So, you know, difficulty doesn't change those parts. Uh, but is it does... A, is there a way to know the like the status of a creature in that game? You know, because the, the Oculi system is partially meant to, so, you know, if you encounter fire creatures, you know, equip water bonuses so you can do, you know, multipliers of damage. Is there any way to know what an enemy is without just experimenting and finding out? I mean, there are visual cues to that stuff. I mean, like, the stuff that is, like, fire and ice is obviously pretty obvious. Um, the earth, like, like the ones that are sensitive to fire, like, the earthbound enemies are a little harder to, to discern, but they do have their own sort of, like, visual style to them. Mm. Uh, and then any dark entity, you know, like, it's pretty obvious that they're dark, so they are therefore susceptible to light magic. I would have liked if the game gave you an option to swap Oculi on the fly. I think I actually probably would have engaged with that system more often because what yeah. what happens is that it's not like you just go into a fire area and then 
swap all your oculi to water. That you'll right. often be fighting enemies in which you have uh, various weaknesses, and you have a magic character, Finn, who can take advantage of those. But he's really the only one that has a, a whole different set of of magic uh, in order to try and take advantage of that. So I think the oculi system was something where you could just you know it would just cause you to you know skip a turn or something to swap your main attack. I probably would have used it a lot more often because then I would have realized, oh, there's a weakness. Okay, now I can swap uh, this out rather than the option just being, well, whatever, I'll just grind through it even though I, I, I can't take advantage of their weakness or I'm going to flee, then swap it out, then go back in. Uh, yeah. it, it just it just seems sort of uh, convoluted for a system that it probably could have been fixed with just allowing you to, to switch it on the fly. Well, on top of that, like, you're collecting so many gems as you're going along, and you're supposed to try and combine them into different combinations of, you know, to, to create different magical gems. But, you know, it, it, you have to sit there for so long, like, just trying to figure out how many, okay, how many am I combining into this? How many of these do I need? What do I need this for? Uh, and at a certain point, you just have this inventory full of gems that you're never, ever going to use, and you have to sit there and sift through, like, what is this going to do? Is this going to benefit this person? Is this going to benefit this person? Is this helpful? Like, it's just it's just confusing as shit. And it doesn't really... Like, almost none of the gems have such a great impact that it really helps you all that much in battle. Like, some of, like, the like adding fire magic to something or adding, you know, lightning to your attacks or something like that can help. But it's not such a huge boost that it really ever makes the difference in battle. Yeah. So, well, that's Child of Light. I'm, I'm yeah. looking forward to, to playing more of it and seeing it out. But It's worth finishing. It's absolutely worth finishing. Yeah, it's it seems it's 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 wholly unique. Well, I shouldn't yes. say wholly unique, but it's it looks it's wholly different. unique. And it's definitely different and uh, sort of a change of pace. There's a lot of weird games coming out or are yeah. out right now. I wish I have actually had more time to play more of them. I intend to play a little bit of Tex Murphy this weekend, which I am could not be more excited about because I am such a huge fan of the Tex Murphy games. Did you watch the quick look at all? Like they don't, they, it's just the beginning stuff, so they don't really spoil much of anything in it. No, no, I have not. But I imagine Vinny playing a Tex Murphy thing is probably a thing I should watch. It's uh, it's really interesting the way they have sort of rededicated themselves to the vision of the future as seen in Tex Murphy before. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the fax machine still very much comes into play. Uh, the, you know, it's 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 the the vision of the future from the '90s, and I, I I love that they they have maintained that. And honestly, like the FMV stuff seems like it's pretty well done. Like almost arguably, maybe a little too well done. Like not compressed enough. <laughs> like yeah, it needs some shitty some shitty uh, compression algorithms over the top. Yeah, yeah. Uh, other than that, I mean, I've mostly just been playing Mario Kart, which, again, I can't really talk about until next week, but, uh, you know, I have continued to play it, uh, and I'm continuing to unlock stuff, so I'm, I'm, I'm doing that. Uh, I've, I got that code that you sent for, uh, for, for Super Time Force, and I also have had sports friends sitting here for, like, a week, but, you know, no one to actually play it with, because my girlfriend's been, you know, working all week, and I've barely seen her, so it's like... I have these games that I want to play. I just I have these other things that I've had to finish, so I haven't been able to get into any of them yet. Yeah, I, my Sunday plan when I drive back from here is to is to play Super Time Force and uh, to check out uh, or to finish Child of Light. But Ch- Super Time Force, I am psyched about that game. It seems like old school Contra, but made with a 2014 sensibility in a way that I can really get behind. 
Yeah, totally, totally. Well, what have you actually been playing this week uh, with, with the time you had before you went up to the cabin? Uh, really only Child of Light. I haven't added a whole lot of time to, to play too much uh, this week. I did spend an obnoxious amount of time on, on Tuesday editing and then subsequently publishing a video about Xbox One's Kinect. I saw uh, that. Got, got myself into the video editing world trying to, to one-up Vinnie Caravella and Drew Scanlon. Uh, and uh, I don't know, I, I, got, I got this... I just was not really inspired by any of the stuff I was writing. There weren't any stories that I was really pursuing that I was excited about. And I, you know, I bought this Elgato, and I've dabbled in video capture in the past. And I thought, hey, maybe I should give this a shot, try and find something uh, to, to add it together. And I've spent a lot of time with the Kinect because I actually enjoy the voice functions uh uh, when I use my TV and Netflix and things like that, but there's all these weird inconsistencies. Yeah. And so when I was trying to figure out, like, sort of the first video thing to stitch together, that struck me as a really good sort of first whack at something like that because it's also visual and it's got audio, like, and it's really easy to, to set up some jokes involving uh, all that stuff. So, uh, but that took me, let's see, around like 12:15, I realized I, there was nothing I wanted to work on. And so I worked on that till about like eight, eight thirty. So it was like eight, eight and a half hours to put together, like four and a half minutes or whatever it was. But uh, it was a lot of fun. I, I felt, I felt very satisfied when I published that. I think that uh, that that time frame will will shrink down as you do more of those. Uh, I am in fact wait, uh, waiting, Vinny, to actually teach me how to do some 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 more elaborate video editing stuff on my own because right now at this point it takes me an hour to figure out how to splice two videos together and like you know like make that look okay uh but i i i I liked what you did with that video a lot uh i i saw that that led to you going on your tumblr and talking a little bit about how you know where video sits versus like you know the status of the written word and all that stuff and as someone who writes a lot of reviews and, and, and generally prefers the written word, uh, why you got to scare me like that? <laughs> why you got to do that? I don't know. I th- my, my, my sense of that, what, what got me thinking about it was more that if I had written that post mm-hmm. or if I had written that as a, just a blog post with the making the exact same points with some screenshots and maybe some short video clips to explain little bits, no one would have paid attention. Yeah. No one would have cared. Uh, that was uh, the points I was making in that video were specifically illuminated by the video format. So what it got me thinking about was, you know, other articles I've written or other stories I've tried to tell in a written format, maybe thinking that that's not super effective or isn't the most effective way to do that. And then thinking about that in the grander scheme of things, which is that I would like to continue to get paid to do this for a long time. Where is this stuff going? How do I adapt what I'm good at already into the formats of the future, the ones where money is getting thrown into and video is where money is getting put into? And if I want to keep getting paid to do this 10, 15 years from now, I probably want... Wow, that sun is really getting... That sun is really getting glaring. (laughs) uh, uh, As I talk about video, it is just illuminating all around me. Uh, As I... uh, you know, want to continue to get paid doing this, A, I should probably learn how to do it myself, and then B, if I want to learn how to do it myself, uh, that will also give me a sense of, you know, if I ever work with a producer or a camera person, what I want out of a piece like that, how to how to envision things like that. So I don't know, it just, it got me thinking about the, the future and how I interact with that, and just really, I do believe that 
that writing will become more and more of a premium just because it's harder to make money on. Yeah, yeah, you know, for for the for the foreseeable future, it seems like video is is you know continuing to become the future of all media uh, until we get you know some sort of like uh, brain hookup, like chip implants that we can just put all articles and videos onto you know all information onto things we can just upload directly into our brain. Uh, video seems like it's probably where things are headed at this point for everything. Yeah, I guess maybe right now I'm just like if I could if I could like do a Dark Souls. Wait! Oh shit! Praise, oh shit! Praise the <laughs> that's, sort of, that's sort of like what they do. Praise yeah. Them. Now it just looks like you don't even have half a face because, like, most of your face is just obscured by the light. <laughs> if I if I just ascend to a higher plane at some point during this video, uh, know know that I appreciated my time here. Yeah, that's great. Uh, yeah, that was kind of my week. Sounds like it was pretty much your week. Uh, yeah, there was there's there was a lot of news that went down this. There was week, a though. lot of news. Uh, we can. Uh, Where would you like to start? We can start with Nintendo. Let's start with Nintendo. So they uh, they announced they're not making much money, mm-hmm. which uh, I don't think comes to any great surprise to anyone that's been following uh, Nintendo uh, recently. But um, it's, I'm less interested in talking about their financials because that's no great shock. But mm-hmm. uh, they they talked a little bit about what they're going to be doing at E3, uh, largely. Uh, maybe not largely, hard to tell, but they're going to be unveiling the Nintendo figurine program, which right. is basically Nintendo getting into that sweet hot Skylanders and Disney Infinity cash money uh, with their own figurines, which, you know, however poor the Wii U is selling, uh, and even if the 3DS isn't on track the same way uh, their previous handhelds have been, that seems like a really good way to make a lot of money. Yeah, I mean, it's obviously worked super well for Disney and their array of properties, uh, and will probably continue to work super well with them. I mean, Activision has had seen, seen tremendous success with the Skylanders franchise. Nintendo characters and figures seem like the next logical step for them. Uh, now, it sounds like they're talking about like multiple types of games to go around this stuff, right? Yeah, they said multiple games are going to be unveiled at E3. Uh, there'll be, you know, the Wii U gamepad has an nfc chip built into it and the 3ds does not so they're releasing an accessory uh so that it can be uh detected on that platform but they were implying that there would be you know you're you're only going to buy one figurine and it can work across the 3ds and the wii u right i i I suppose i wouldn't be surprised if titles could just mean some game that's coming out on both platforms and then your figures can work between them but who knows i mean if they choose to go I guess it's not going to be a Pokemon game because they just announced Pokemon Omega Ruby and Alpha Sapphire, which are remakes of uh, some GBA Pokemon games. But I, I wonder, I wonder what they would choose to do. I guess they could. I mean, if they did like a Pokemon RPG, like a full-on. I mean, I guess that's what Pokemon Alpha. I don't know. I don't know. Do you have any sense of what kind of game they might use? No, not really. Um, but it, you know, it, at the same time, you know, I imagine that they will. They will find a variety of different, you know, familiar Nintendo types of things to, to uh, attach that stuff to. I mean, I don't, I have no idea what the, like, what the kind of game that would actually look like. But, you know, <laughs> I imagine that, like, Smash Brothers is something that they could probably find a way to attach that to. Um, you know, if Mario Kart weren't coming out now, that is certainly the kind of thing I could totally see them attaching that sort of thing to. Random88 points out that, remember the Rayman trailer that actually had all this stuff in it? 
I do. And I do remember that trailer. It's it boggles my mind. I mean, all sorts of things about Nintendo confuse me, but that it's taken them this long to really embrace this part of the machine. I mean, obviously, in retrospect, you know, Skylanders and Disney Infinity have proven, you know, how much money can be made with these NFC figures. But man, like, imagine if they had launched the Wii U with something like this. Well, remember, there was a, a, I think it was a couple of weeks ago, there was a story that said that, like, Skylanders was originally pitched as a Nintendo exclusive. Yeah. Like, that was something they could have just had all to themselves, and they were like, nah, whoops. You know, like, that 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 could have actually, you know, been a nice little boost for them, considering how successful that, that franchise has been. But they were like, nah, we don't see it. And now, obviously, with the success that both Disney and Activision have had, now they're like, well, we can get in on this, too. And, you know, whatever. I'm sure they'll, if, they, if they do it, they'll probably be reasonably smart about it, and it could actually, you know, turn out pretty well for them. But it does well, feel a little it, bit like they're, they're catching up now. At least in this case, it might be a good video game. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, you know, as someone that has not participated in the, the figurine ecosystem, because I, I do not find the games to be at all interesting, yeah. uh, th- the idea that, Nintendo would get in on this and maybe make a compelling video game. I-, I could see myself buying. I could see myself. Hey, if they put out like some Majora's Mask figures, mm-hmm. maybe, like, a, like a make a Yoshi's Island line, mm-hmm. I, I could, I could see myself getting dark. I could get into this. You're gonna be one of those assholes that actually buys a Baby Mario figure, aren't you? Yeah. Uh, yeah. God damn you. God cries, damn you. My gamepad cries every single time that I put it down on there. I can't talk about uh, what I think of Mario Kart 8, but what I can say is that the entire time I've been playing Mario Kart 8, anytime I see Baby Mario, Baby Luigi, Baby Peach, or Baby anyone on the track, uh, I try to kill them. I try to straight murder them. I don't care if they're where, where they are on the track. It does. I, I go out of my way to, to straight up destroy them. I don't. What do you want me to say to that? I don't know. I just I thought it was a funny little <laughs> anecdote, you know. So just throwing it out there. Uh, so elsewhere in the Nintendo they, land, they announced well, not announced, but uh, Reuters talked to Satoru Wada after uh, their sort of financial gathering where they revealed some of this information. Uh, and, and one of the things they uh, mentioned that they're going to put out new hardware and software specifically targeted targeted at emerging markets, which I imagine means uh, essentially. They don't think what Microsoft is doing with Xbox One, uh, putting just out their really expensive hardware out in China, uh, is is what Nintendo thinks should be the strategy for what is largely a rising middle class uh, or lower class coming up and able to spend money on entertainment. Uh, they probably don't want to spend it on a $500 machine. Right. Uh, so I wouldn't be surprised if Nintendo you know, found a way to you know, put out the DS or, you know, like a modified DS that already has a lot of built-in established software and probably could have hardware reformed uh, to be extremely cheap uh, and put that out in in places like China or uh, India. Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, that makes sense. You know, it is an emerging marketplace and, you know, the the recent adjustments to the the console laws there... uh, Seems like now is the time to start trying to figure out how you're going to get in on that. Uh, isn't there? St- there's still like a weird thing about Japanese manufactured like consoles there, though, right? Like I, I don't know if I'm I'm totally making that up in my head or not, but I feel like I remember there was some still some weird thing about like 
you know, like like Jap like there was still like some weird tariffs or something on like Japanese electronic companies or something that like, that, that was making some of that stuff complicated. Maybe they've they've removed that. I don't know. I also could be just making that up. There might be, uh, but there have certainly been a lot of obstacles. I mean, you, you know, Blizzard has talked a lot about uh, their troubles in releasing World of Warcraft expansions in China, uh, right? Because uh, China is a market where everyone wants to get into, so they're willing to put up with a lot of BS in order to release their software there. Uh, you know, Germany is another country where you have to put up with a lot of uh, barriers in order to, you know, how are they even releasing? I know they are, but they're releasing the new Wolfenstein in Germany with all the Nazi stuff removed. What is what is that? I need. I really want to play that version of the game. Yeah, I, 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 I mean, typically, I guess what they do is they just remove all the swastikas. And I think they, I don't know if they changed the language to not say Nazis or what, but mm. whatever they do, it's like, it has to be pretty elaborate and pretty ridiculous because you, you are basically trying to write, like, just wash over all of the key character details that you are, that makes this, you know, that a game like that, uh, what it is. So it, yeah, I, I don't know. I've never actually played one of those, like, Germany specific versions of any sort of like World War II game. So I don't even know what they look like other than just having the swastikas gone. Oh man, I, I might need to find out. That might be that might be something I need to discover is it'll probably be super disappointing. It probably actually won't be all that interesting, but in, in any case, uh, you know, Blizzard would talk about uh, the substantial content change, changes they had to make to get uh, Warcraft expansions through. So uh, my guess is that is still sort of a, going to be a challenge for game publishers is that China is still going to exert a lot of control on the type of media that is released on these boxes. It's not It's not like every the whole game libraries of these video game companies are suddenly going to whole cloth be published in China. Right. Uh, it's, it's still going to require some uh, a lot of work with the government in order to make that happen. So uh, maybe that's why they're thinking unique hardware and software uh, rather than just putting out what, you know, they already have. Yeah. Uh, now this is not the only Nintendo news. Uh, <laughs> no, no, there's no. more. No, they were they're also in the news earlier this week uh, on uh, the message board NeoGaf. Uh, there was a, a movement started called Me Quality, uh, which was specifically uh, talking about Tomodachi Life, which is the crazy, weird sandbox social Animal Crossing Sims thing that Nintendo is releasing in a couple of weeks. Uh, June 6th, I believe, uh, in the West, uh, both in North America and Europe. And one of the, I guess, mechanics or storylines of the game is that you can get married and have children, uh, but the game does not uh, allow you to do that uh, in non-hetero relationships, so it's men and women only uh, for that. And so Mequality was uh, a, you know, a, like, really smart, in terms of how these campaigns are sometimes put together. It was really smart. It wasn't calling for a boycott. It was mostly just trying to put this on Nintendo's radar, hoping that they could patch or alter the game in, in time for release. It was uh, about as uh, like nice together, uh, put together as a, a campaign as I've seen for something like this. And surprisingly, Nintendo actually responded, probably because the Associated Press asked them. Mm-hmm. Uh, I sincerely doubt they would have put out a statement uh, if it was just you, know, you and I uh, asking them. But the... The statement they put out uh, is what really is what has gotten them into hot water with a lot of folks, which is uh, Nintendo never intended to make any form of social commentary with the launch of Tomodachi Life. 
the relationship options in the game represent a playful alternative world rather than a real-life simulation. Uh, we hope that all of our fans will see that Tomodachi Life was intended to be a whimsical and quirky game, and that we're absolutely not trying to provide social commentary. Uh, which... Uh. It's probably just about the most boneheaded, backwards uh, statement that they could have put out uh, in regards to this. I think it would have been completely reasonable for Nintendo to say, we are only localizing this first edition of the game. We have taken fan feedback into uh, account, and we will consider that for future editions of the Tomodachi franchise, which wouldn't have gotten them out of you know, not having these options in this game, but would have at least acknowledged that the world is different in the West and that they're taking that feedback into account for the future. Now, the truth is that if they had given that statement, it probably would not have been true because, you know, this is a statement that absolutely smacks of Nintendo of Japan just trying to brush this off as quickly as they possibly can and forcing Nintendo of America to make this statement uh, I, I, it just it, it it it's such a a a great example of how still ancient a lot of Nintendo's thinking is when it comes to stuff like the idea of there even being same sex relationships in a game would be social commentary to them, and because they are so dead set against causing controversy or being controversial in any way, shape, or form, even if it's in like the most safe ways imaginable. They're just so averse to that and so, I don't know, just uncomfortable with the idea of even just sort of like playing with anything outside of like what is considered the norms that it, you know, they they come up with statements like this where they think they're being really safe, but if anything, they're actually just kind of being more inflammatory than they really needed to be. Uh, I don't imagine that anyone at Nintendo really has a problem with the idea, or I mean, maybe some people do, but like the, I, I, this is not a Nintendo against gay marriage thing. It's Nintendo just trying desperately to play it as safe as they possibly can and sort of tripping over themselves in the process. Yeah, I, I think this probably reflects, you know, you know, maybe this is me just hoping, but uh, I, I don't think this reflects malice. I feel, I feel like this reflects yeah. uh, a deep cultural ignorance uh, that should be part of the learning process of localization, which is adopting, you know, your games for different markets. If this is something that wouldn't fly in Japan, you know, I'm not Japanese. I have not spent a lot of time in Japan. I don't have a good sense of uh, the culture there and its attitudes towards uh, homosexuality. Uh, But if that's something that wouldn't work in that game, it's certainly something you need to consider when the game is localized because that's part of the localization process is adapting to cultural norms. And so it... I really get the sense that they just didn't know any better. Look at Animal Crossing, for example. Yeah. Like, Nintendo uh, lately has kind of gotten itself, I think, rightfully criticized for creating games with customization options, but being a little bit ignorant of people's expectations, especially in the West, for what those customization options should mean. Uh, for example, the only way to get colored characters in Animal Crossing is to get a tan for your white characters. Uh, right. is, is is really not the way to handle that. And I, I think that, again, doesn't come out of malice of Nintendo saying we don't want people to be black in Animal Crossing, but it comes from a place of not thinking that needs to be an option. Uh, right. So that that is a form of ignorance, but I think it's an ignorance that is formed uh, from, uh, you know, not out of malice or trying to say we don't want these kinds of people representing our games. They just didn't think of it. Uh, and, yeah. And I think that's really more where it comes from. And it's just it's confusing because it's just 
obvious that Nintendo doesn't really pay attention to what other companies do and this kind of stuff because it's like it's not like The Sims hasn't had this kind of option for years and years. You know, it's not like the Mass Effect games didn't have that you know that element to its 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 relationships. Like the, the, this is not like a new thing in video games. It's not like this that someone is trying to make Nintendo start some kind of revolution. It's if anything, just trying to sort of nudge them to being a little more in lockstep with where, you know, things are culturally now. And they've always seemed like a company that's that, that's that's resisted that sort of thing until they literally had no choice but to acquiesce because they're just, they're timid when it comes to any kind of controversy. Even if it is like doing this would, honestly, if they had just had that in the game, it would not have been controversial. They might have gotten some angry letters from some parents somewhere but it would have just been like, no, they just did a thing that lots of other video games like it have done. Uh, but instead, you know, it, instead of just saying, look, this is not something that the game had in Japan. It's not going to have it in the U.S. version because we're not making any changes to the code. They just they, they put up this really severe resistance to the idea of even thinking about something like that for the future. It's just like, we don't want to cause any waves. We don't want to do anything. This is a fun, silly thing. We don't want anyone to, to think ill of us. And it's just that they have they have to let that go at some point. They have to be willing to sort of look around and be willing to adapt themselves a little more to what the the rest of the gaming culture is kind of starting to become. Yeah, and you know the Tomodachi uh, situation is made more complicated by a glitch that was found in the Japanese version of the game, which allowed you to uh, have uh, I believe just uh, men. Uh, two men get married and have the men have the guy get pregnant which I think yeah. is hilarious and is totally in line with the cutesy and whimsical nature of the Mies like I think they could just get away with just saying Mies are weird I don't know dudes can get pregnant like don't worry haven't about it haven't they ever it. seen Junior that Schwarzenegger movie it happens science and, and, and so Nintendo patched that out of the Japanese version they have since because they've been asked a couple times about why they didn't just make that rather than a bug make it a feature in the, yeah. in the western version they said that that specific glitch caused save issues and some other uh, noted uh, technical problems which is why they ended up removing it because it again wasn't a feature but th- you know that that the response to that being a glitch and that being something people wanted in the game should have queued them up to have a much, at the very least, a much better response uh, to uh, exactly what's happening right now. Yeah, that's, you know, it's too bad, but it's, it, I mean, look, I'm going to play Tamadachi Life. It still looks ridiculous. I just think it's unfortunate that, you know, they are they are making it so that people who want to play it a certain way can't, and that's a bummer. Yeah, so uh, I'm actually working on uh, a big story about all of this stuff. I've been talking to a lot of folks that have played the game. I highly recommend uh, that people check out uh, Christian Nutt of uh, Gamma Sutra, uh, who uh, he wrote a, a huge uh, piece uh, on his blog on Gamma Sutra about having seen Tomodachi Life and, you know, as someone that, you know, uh, recently got married to his partner, you know, how he feels playing a game like that. It's an, it's an excellent piece uh, that provides a, a really nice uh, personal uh, response uh, to someone that is, is more directly affected by what the content says or doesn't say uh, by by what's included in it or not included in Tomodachi Life. So highly recommended. And uh, like some of the stuff I'm going to be touching on my pieces, I've talked to the ESRB and Peggy, and I'm trying to talk to Sero, which is the Japanese uh, ratings right. board, you know, trying to get a sense of, uh, you know, are 
do games avoid things like this because they want to be E for everyone and not T for teen? And so I'm trying to explore a, a lot of stuff like that that uh, I think are some of the big questions that come out of uh, a moment like this. And uh, I'm hoping to uh, to publish that on Monday. I have some other folks that I need to talk to about it. But uh, yeah, uh, well, I expect this is not the last time Nintendo will be asked about this. Uh, Probably not, especially with E3 coming up. Hopefully they have a better answer uh, the next time around. But yeah. Uh, they uh, let's see. Uh, in Some other news. news uh, they're making a new Unreal Tournament video game. They are. Which, uh, it's a. I'm, it's a. I'm pretty excited about. So this is a free game uh, that they have, uh, as according to them, literally just started yesterday. Uh, after the during the live stream that they 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 put up talking about the game, they have, they have begun the process of that making that game immediately. Uh, it is free. It is apparently going to very much uh, tie into, you know, like player feedback, like they're going to have, like they're going to do a lot of community posting and sort of like try and be as transparent as they possibly can. Holy shit. I can't even like look at you anymore. It's just like it, it's it's like I, it, it's like I'm watching a Lifetime movie superimposed on top of another Lifetime movie. Like there's just so much just like light bloom and sort of like like kind of like a like just a oh, man, this is this is harsh. Praise the sun. Yeah, so Praise Unreal Tournament. Sun. Okay, all right. Now the oh. sun's gone. Wait, no. Sun if I just can, if I just hang out over here. Yeah, the sun's gone. But what if I go over here? Oh. Uh, it's not it's not so bad. I, maybe some, maybe some clouds came through. I don't know. It just it's it's darker now. So now I've I've seen dark <laughs> Patrick. Yeah, they they uh the the Twitch stream that they did yesterday uh, was literally where they forked the code in Unreal Engine uh, and wrote the first lines of code that will become the basis of their new uh, Unreal Tournament game, and it's uh, going to be free. Uh, not free to play. I, they were like kind of making a distinction there, I think, uh, in that the game will be completely free, all the stuff that Epic makes will be completely free, but they're establishing a marketplace uh, similar to Steam Workshop uh, in which uh, users will be able to sell their own mods uh, uh, of all stars and stripes uh, in order to, uh, to make money, and then Epic will take a slice of those profits, and that's kind of hoping... Uh, they're hoping that's how they'll pay for development. Yeah, yeah, and it sounds cool. Like, it sounds like a good way to approach it. Um, you know, I mean, I'm not the hugest Unreal Tournament fan in the world, but the way that they're co- coming at this game uh, it makes me interested in it. You know, it sounds like uh, they're they're taking the right approach with it, and, you know, I don't know. I mean, it, you played a lot more Unreal Tournament than me. I mean, is this something that, that sounds sounds right to you? Yeah, I you know, Unreal Tournament 3 was not a good video game. Uh, right. Or at least as someone that uh, has spent a lot of time playing Unreal Tournament, a lot of time uh, playing specifically Facing Worlds, a.k.a. probably the best multiplayer map ever made. Uh, the, the, it, Unreal Tournament 3 got away from the uh, simplistic action and the roots of that series that I, I really, really enjoyed. I, I think it makes sense that this game is free. I think it makes sense that this game is community-driven because these types of games just don't really sell in the traditional model anymore. You're not going right. to sell on a real tournament game for 60 bucks. It's just not how it works. Uh, so I think they're they're taking the right approach with building this new one. I, you know, I don't know if it'll be a good game. I'm ho- I'm desperately hoping it is. I'm excited to see how it comes together. Uh, the, you know, obviously a working prototype is not going to be available for probably months and months and months. Maybe by the end of the year there'll be something that people can mess around with. But uh, it's... I think it's an incredibly smart, progressive way to try and make a game. I think it's so cool that they did the first line of code live on a stream. There's just something, I don't know, just really neat about that. Yeah, I agree. Uh, 
so there's some Kickstarter news, which we'll we'll touch on here briefly. Uh, uh-huh. Harmonix launched a Kickstarter this week. Uh, it did for, for Amplitude. Yeah, for a, a, not exactly a sequel, but some kind of uh, HD, basically an HD follow up to Amplitude. Obviously, with new songs, but like some of the same mechanics. Uh, I tried to write a story about it, but uh, some people took some umbrage with me covering <laughs> a Kickstarter by by Harmonix, which, you know what, in retrospect, I totally understand. We don't cover a lot of Kickstarters on the site. Uh, it's not a hard rule that we have. I, I think you'll back me up on that. It's it's mm-hmm. it's it's bit, kind of a, a case-by-case basis, but generally we have not covered very many of them. Uh, I thought it was uh, a big enough story, a studio like Harmonix doing you know a follow-up to a game like that uh, to do something, but... You know, after talking with Jeff, we realized, you know, it's until we actually have a real like in place policy for that stuff, uh, probably better just to be safe than sorry. So we took that down. But the news still exists and, you know, the Kickstarter still exists and you can uh, apparently fund an Amplitude update if you would really like to. Would you like to do that, Patrick? Yeah, I I mean, I like Amplitude and Frequency. I'm not like super fanboy for 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 either of them. Uh, The I think the, the structure of their Kickstarter is interesting. Uh, yeah. Running it, uh, you know, in 18 days as opposed to 30, which I think John Drake has said uh, is purely just because of scheduling of their internal developers as opposed to, you know, them bucking traditional Kickstarter trends for right. a very specific reason. But, uh, you know, they've raised about, I think, $175,000 was the last I looked at it, I believe, yesterday. Uh, if you look at KickTrack, which is a way of analyzing uh, or projecting how a Kickstarter might work uh, or play out the rest of its uh, time. Uh, they are on track to uh, just get over uh, what they're asking for, but it does seem to have lost a little bit of traction. I'm sure they uh, will have some announcements to get people's uh, interest in the, the days ahead. But uh, they've certainly run into you know, a, a problem of perception that I'm not yeah. super surprised uh, that, that they're having in which folks don't really understand why developers of Harmonix's caliber are going to Kickstarter uh, for money. Uh, I don't, I don't super blame people for for oh got that sun back uh, for for people for having uh, that uh, that response. You know, Harmonix didn't make millions and millions of dollars when they left uh, the uh, the bosom of Viacom. Some shareholders made some money, not Harmonix, but people certainly have the perception that Harmonix is a company that can get money on their own as opposed to going to the people. Yeah. Um, so, well, I think Harmonix has explained their reasoning rather well. I don't also really blame people for being suspicious. No, I mean it's it's right to be suspicious of any big com- big-ish company uh, using a crowdfunding platform like that. I mean it's some of the same suspicion a lot of people had about Double Fine, you know, when they used that to fund uh, Broken Age and and later on uh, Massive Chalice, right? Yep. And you know I, the way I look at it is this: Harmonix has not been with uh, Viacom for a few years now. They've been through multiple rounds of layoffs since that time. They're a much smaller team than they were during the height of the uh, the rock band frenzy. Uh, and you know, in the case of Amplitude, Sony owns the rights to all things Frequency and Amplitude. They have for years, uh, ever since that those games came out, which is why they've never tried to pitch that game with a different publisher because they can't. Um, so it, it has often fallen to them to convince Sony to want to fund a game, you know, another game in that series. And up to this point, they haven't really, I guess, theoretically haven't really shown any interest. Otherwise, they would have done it a long time ago. So this is a way for them to kind of, you know, take some of the sting out of the 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 publish, you know, like the development process being like, look, we were able to raise this much interest and this much money. There is obviously demand for this. 
this justifies us putting people on a team and making this game. Uh, you know, you can, I, I, I think that arguments about, you know, what, what crowdfunding is for, uh, and whether this type of game is for that are valid. And I think that discussion should continue to go on. That said, uh, you know, this is probably the only way this game was going to get made, uh, if it gets funded, which is obviously not a guarantee at this point. Uh, for my part, I would love to see them get it out there. I loved Amplitude a lot. I, I think those games were great. But I also think that, you know, what they're asking for is a lot. And I think that it's it's not surprising that people have reacted uh, a little bit, you know, to been a little bit taken aback by the amount of money they're asking for. Yeah, I mean, paying people real money to make a game, uh, like, it's expensive. Like, big studios burn through a lot of cash very, very quickly. Uh, so I'm not super shocked at the number, even if I don't blame people for maybe taking umbrage uh, at it. Uh, it might be exactly what Harmonix needs to build this with the people they want to build it with, but it's, you know, it's all, it is almost a million dollars. And I don't know if in their, uh, you know, cost evaluation or they're, you know, projecting how this game would do sales-wise, they thought they needed the Amplitude name in order to do it, but by having the Amplitude name, they really restrict some very simple ways in which they can generate more interest in the game which would really be a pc version right. i think i think limited to limiting it to playstation because of the name which makes sense that sony would want you to restrict you there makes a lot of sense but i'm kind of hoping that sony seems to have been cool with pc stuff in the past they don't really yeah. look at that as an exclusive they need to lock down if there was a way that a good way that Harmonix could really boost a lot of interest in this would be releasing a PC version uh, or, or promising that one would come uh, down the line. Uh, I, th- I think they probably could have gotten away with a lot of what they're trying to do here by just not calling it Amplitude and saying they're making a spiritual successor. Uh, I don't know the legal niceties of that, so maybe there's a reason they chose not to do that, but it, it uh, that would have, by ex- making it exclusive to PlayStation, it precludes a lot of people. I remember when I was doing promotions for Rock Band Unplugged, which was the first of the games they did that were sort of spiritual successors to to Frequency and Amplitude. Uh, they were very specific with me that I could not just say it's just like Amplitude. Like I had to say, yeah, you know, it's inspired by some of the ideas from that uh, because just of the nature of the deal that I guess they signed when they made those games, and also just the. Uh, the, the, the relationship with Sony at that point was very different. I mean, the culture of Sony was very different five years ago than what it is now. Yeah. Uh, so at the time, yeah, there was, there was definitely like a lot of like dancing around that kind of stuff. They were a little less dancey about it when they did Rock Band Blitz, I remember, because they were just straight up saying, yeah, no, we just took like the, I think, I think by that point things had softened a little bit and they were able to sort of like be a little more open about it. Uh, at this point, you know, I, I think that, that they could probably negotiate something to put that on PC if they really wanted to. I think that putting it initially on PS3 and PS4, if it comes out, uh, gets them sort of, you know, the cachet to possibly do something with it on other platforms down the road. They just kind of have to do that, that that first make good with Sony. Yeah, so we'll see. Uh, I guess people are saying the kick track update from today projects they're actually not going to make it, but uh, they have said they're have some things to announce so hopefully there will be uh hopefully there'll be some some exciting stuff i, I think a pc version probably go a long way to getting uh more more people's interest uh manthorpe asking how do you guys plan to play transistor ps4 i'll probably pay on the pc I'll i think i'll the get PC. the ps4 version um 
I think it's cross buy. I'm not sure about that, uh, but I, I, I would I, I I will probably play. I like playing those games on console. Like I liked playing uh, uh, Bastion on my Xbox. I, I would like to play that game on my PS4. I think. And that game comes out soon. Not yeah, not next week, but the week after. Uh, C. Brian asks, "What does it feel like to be a deity of the sun?" It feels pretty good. Uh, I haven't noticed any special powers yet, but I'm hoping those are going to come through pretty soon. Yeah. Um, but uh, I'll I'll keep everyone updated. Uh, what sun-based superpower would you like to have? Mm, well, does that just mean I can pick from any of Superman's powers? That's that's kind of how that works, right? No, I mean like if you're getting powered by the sun, oh, like what the would sun. you like? Yeah, what what what, oh. what of the the sun's powers would you mm. like to be able to deliver to others? Man, I think being warm all the time would be pretty cool. Like, I'm in the Midwest, it gets really cold. I think just being, like, consistently warm, not having to pay for heat, like, just generating my own heat from the sun, I think I'd be into that. See, I'd hate that. I hate being, like, I, I, I do much better in cold weather than I do warm weather. If I was hot all the time, I I would just jump out of a window. I don't think mm. I would be able to deal with that. Hmm. Uh, Lokno asks, when is the next spookin'? Uh, I think next, uh, mm, let's say Tuesday. Let's go with Tuesday. Let's go with yeah. Tuesday. Uh, the, sure. Uh, Dread Out, uh, I got a code for, uh, which is that Indonesian Fatal Frame type game uh, that uh, comes out uh, next week. And then the Outlast DLC Whistleblower came out, and I want to play that as well. So we'll probably play some of both of those next Tuesday. Let's let's say that. All right. Uh, ba, ba, ba. <laughs> a lot of people saying I should play Boktai. That's true. I never played that. Did you play that? Uh, I played a little of it uh, before it came out. Uh, I did not play any of the final version of that game. Uh, I know that Greg kind of liked it. I don't. I don't really know very much about it, to be honest with you. I know the problem with it was that it was it came out on the Game Boy Advance, which was not a screen that did well in the sun. Yeah. So you had to play a game with a sun monitor in front of the sun, and you couldn't see the game. But man. What a weird thing. I wish Kojima used his cachet to make crazy stuff like that more often. Yeah. That's the kind yeah. of crazy I can get behind. It is weird because that is... Is that the only not Metal Gear game that Kojima has made in that time? Yeah, I, mean, I guess Zone of the Enders. Okay, yeah, sure. Sure. I, I, mean, like, I, think, I think that came out after Zone of the Enders, though. Yeah. Uh... Fobwash pointed out in the chat, uh, in terms of game costing more than people may think, uh, Phil Tibetoski, who is the one of the, the guys over at uh, Young Horses, right? Yeah, Young Horses? Is yeah. that what it is? Yeah. yeah. They made Octodad. Uh, he said it cost $500,000 for nine people to make uh, Octodad. So, To be fair, they know, worked on that game for a few years. Like, that was, sure. that was a long-term project. Sure, but they also working on it part-time. They were finishing school, like, doing, yep. like, uh, some of them had part-time jobs. So, you know, if you think about a game like Octodad, you probably don't look at that and think like, "Well, that cost half a million dollars." Yeah. But it actually did cost half a million dollars. I wouldn't be surprised if Seven Seventy Five was really only like, I'm going to say like forty to fifty percent of that game's actual budget. Like that seems like a game that would cost at least a couple million to make overall, uh, especially mm-hmm. if they want to try and get it out within, say, a year, year and a half of of that Kickstarter closing. Scott from Scotland. That's a good username. Mm-hmm. Uh, new episode of Telltale's Walking Dead comes out next week. Are you excited? Uh, yeah, I saw that on Twitter just before we started. Uh, they confirmed that episode three will be out next week, which, yeah. Cool. I, the next episode looks like this is where shit gets real crazy this season. So yeah. 
Uh, I don't want to spoil what's going on for people that aren't aren't keeping up, but yes, I am very excited to check out more of The Walking Dead. Same. Uh, I, I am as much as I'm enjoying The Wolf Among Us. I the last episode left me less excited for the next episode. Yes, The Walking Dead left me more excited for the next episode. Yeah, it's kind of a reverse trajectory. Whereas The Wolf Among Us started super well and has kind of been on this like slight downward slope. The 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 Walking Dead started a little weird, but then got has been getting progressively better. Uh, and this this third episode looks like it's going to be pretty great. So I'm I'm very hopeful, and I will have a recap of that sometime next week as well. Clark J. 1981 asked, thoughts on the recent Sunset Overdrive gameplay from Insomniac? Did you get a chance to watch that for me? I did. It looks cool, man. It looks like the kind of Insomniac... It it looks like a really intense correction from uh, what Fuse was, which is to say that they are trying to get all the wacky out that they were not able to get out when they were making Fuse. Yeah, it looks like the classic Insomniac that I have missed for a while that I didn't get a chance to finish that last ratchet and clank downloadable game. But the quick look I did with Vinny, I was, it looked really great. I really enjoyed what I played of it. I should probably go back and finish it. But, um, yeah, I think this is the insomniac that a lot of us got on board with and that they kind of walked away from a little bit with, uh, the, the last generation of hardware with the resistance games and, it looks killer. I guess Brad's actually played it. I guess yeah. they'll have uh, some direct feed and some other stuff going up on the site next week when an embargo lifts. But, uh, it, you know, he described it as <clears throat> Tony Hawk with guns, which, yeah, okay, sure. Now, to be fair, other games have tried uh, the Tony Hawk with guns thing. Uh, let, let, let us not forget the great Sega classic, The Club. Uh, and those that have not gone super well. That game had some interesting ideas. That game had some interesting ideas. That game on. was horrible. That game was fucking horrible. It had a good idea, and it it wasted it over like just just the most bland, uninteresting shooting you could possibly imagine. This does not look like that, thankfully. Yeah, you may be right. You may yeah. be right. I'm not saying the club was a great game. I'm it was horrible. It was a horrible game. <laughs> Fine. I'm. I concede. I concede defeat. It should have been so much better. Uh, well, I think that's I think that about does it for that's a show. Us. I I need to uh, I need to ascend. Uh, the The sun is calling me. Uh, it needs to take me away. So I I feel like I should heed its call. Uh, what are you up to this weekend? Are you got any? Uh, let's see. Well, later up? today, I am going to be doing a uh, a little podcast interview with uh, Baz McMahon, the uh, the man behind Video Game Championship Wrestling. Uh, that will go up on Monday ahead of Endgame 7, which is the uh, the season closer for this season of, of Video Game Championship. I think every season is like basically 12 weeks, and then he takes two weeks off and then just does another one. So... Uh, but yeah, I'll have a, a, a chat with him. I'm going to talk to him about the, the, the league itself and, and wrestling and what have you. Other than that, uh, I've been playing a lot of Mario Kart this weekend. Uh, probably s- squeeze in some hearts or Hearthstone here and there as well. Uh, hopefully I will download Super Time Force and actually start playing Super Time Force so we can play some Super Time Force. Uh, but yeah, I, that's, that's kind of what I got on my agenda. What do you got coming up? I'm going to hang out in this cabin. That's cool. And I might try and play that new Kirby game because I've been meaning to check that out, and I like me some Kirby. I hear it's all right. Uh, yeah, it's supposed to be pretty cool. Yeah, uh, so I'm gonna check that out. Um, and then uh, yeah, hopefully on Sunday when I get back, I can can check out some more stuff. But uh, yeah, I got you know I can finish this up. I'm gonna start working on worth reading. I'm I found a so I'm gonna try and do another. I guess I can't promise it'll come out next week, but I'm gonna try and get one out next week. 
Uh, I'm going to try and do another one of those video features, but I'm going to try and do it for an article that I have in mind. So like adapting just a straight up news article uh, <clears throat> into some sort of video feature. Uh, I think I have one that is visually oriented enough that it'll work and it involves the Game Boy camera. So I have an idea in mind. I, hopefully it'll work. I'm not, I'm not sure. I guess I might have to abandon it and just put it up a, a little more normally, but I, th- I, th- I want to try and see if that'll work. So I'm going to be working on that on Monday. I'm actually going to be interviewing the guy that is the basis for the story I'm going to try and write, uh, or video I'm going to try and write, the video I'm going to try and edit, the video I'm going to try and make mm-hmm. uh, a little bit later today. So so yeah, so that's the show. That's the show. Uh, I will uh, talk to you Monday. On Monday we're going to have, uh, oh, I don't know how to pronounce his last name. Andrew I always Groen. say Groen. Groen? I say growing. That might be wrong, but I always just say growing. Okay, Andrew Groin. Yeah, let's go. Yeah, and let's go with Andrew Groin. Uh, he's I like the. It. Uh, he is currently finishing up a Kickstarter for uh, a a book about the Empires of Eve Online, uh, specifically the player created Empires of Eve Online. Uh, over the last ten years, he wants to document their big battles, their big failures, everything about the player history of Eve Online, which sounds super fascinating. Uh, especially as someone that has gone to Iceland to cover EVE Online, that has written about EVE Online in the past. Uh, I'm excited to see what he has to say and what he can tell us about some of the research he's doing for his book. So he will be joining us on Monday. He's also a fellow Chicagoan. So look for that on Monday. And uh, I will uh, I will see you then, Alex, after I have returned from my weekend in the sun. Oh. oh. Oh, wait. Hit the wrong. Uh-huh. I hit the wrong button. <laughs> oh no! You ruined it. Perfect. Perfect end. Perfect good. End. Good ending. Good ending. <laughs>